It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The Miami Dolphins boast one of the most impressive wide receiver duos in the NFL, but how does their skill group in its entirety measure against the teams the Dolphins are scheduled to face in 2023? That's our subject here today on Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It is your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with Joe Marino. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today is Friday. June 23rd, 2023, and that's significant because it's just about a month away from veteran players reporting to training camp. The Dolphins released their training camp schedule yesterday. We're going to talk about that here in just a moment. Today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL, and they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. Shout out to the everydayers who are locked in with us on a daily basis. It is Friday, and we're switching gears over to the offensive side of the ball to compare the Dolphins and their groups in position rooms versus the teams that the Dolphins are scheduled to play throughout the course of the 2023 season. Now, we just mentioned the Dolphins dropped their training camp schedule, and uh, they have veterans reporting to camp on the 24th. 5th, 26th, Uh, the public practices start on July 30th. Here are the dates. We'll get this out of the way um, before we dive into the Dolphins skill group. July 30th and 31st, August 1st, 3rd, 4th, Saturday, August 5th is a scrimmage, team scrimmage at Hard Rock Stadium. Uh, The 8th and 9th are public practices and joint with the Atlanta Falcons. And then the 23rd and the 24th. So you're going to have 10 opportunities if you're in South Florida to go see this Dolphins team practice, including a couple of practices against another team in the Atlanta Falcons. Exciting stuff just around the corner here on Friday, June 23rd, 2023. July can't get here soon enough. Uh, But we're talking skill group today. And this is the group comprised of running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. You throw fullbacks in there, especially because the Dolphins have a good one. And we're measuring these groups combined as the skill group on offense in comparison to the teams that the Dolphins will face throughout the course of the season. I would be remiss to not also acknowledge the Tyreek Hill situation that is happening. It's been kind of unfolding all week. I haven't really touched it Um here on the show. Uh, I've been monitoring it, watching it just like all of you have. And um, I I try to take the weight of this platform uh, pretty seriously. So what I would say is this, I don't know Tyreek. I do not know 
the alleged victim in question. Uh, I do not have any more information than what has been publicly reported. Um, so we will allow that process to play out before we talk about it too much here on the show, because I would rather not be the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh person to talk about it and instead uh, allow all of the information to come to light uh, before making an, an objective opinion and, and talking about the ramifications of whatever the end result of that is. So uh, we are obviously acknowledging, if you're, if you're not familiar, Tyreek Hill had an alleged incident in which he uh, open-hand slapped a marina attendant uh, on the back of the head. Uh, Tyreek Hill has been in the news throughout the course of his NFL career for um, poor judgment is one way to put it, uh, but for altercations uh, in the past. Uh, I will allow this incident to unfold, however, before forming a firm opinion one way or another. I know in the social media age and era, it's very easy uh, to have a knee-jerk reaction because stuff kind of gets put out there, but I'm going to try my best to let that process play itself out. Uh, and let's get some more information before we commit too much time to it on the show. So uh, that is the acknowledgement of what is happening this week with Tyreek Hill. Um, but let's talk football. And, and we'll look at this Dolphins skill group. And what we have to first do is quantify what the Dolphins have. And they have one of the most prolific wide receiver tandems in all of football. I can tell you. This exercise is committed to the Dolphins and the 14 teams that they will play throughout the course of the regular season. But you look across the entirety of the NFL, and there's only three teams that have a pair of wide receiver roster cornerstones uh, to their credit in this exercise that Joe Marino and I have been doing on Locked On NFL Scouting. And those three teams are the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, the Miami Dolphins, and the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, the Dolphins don't play the Bengals this year, or at least in the regular season, uh, but they do play the Philadelphia Eagles. So that will be, we will see how those groups sort themselves out as we work our way through this. But the Dolphins, uh, beyond those cornerstone players, they have a lot more meaningful depth in my eyes this year than last year. Uh, they obviously lost Mike Gusecki, I think was an adequate level starter as a receiving tight end, but within the confines of this offense and what you schematically are trying to do, uh, I don't necessarily think it's, it's a particular loss uh, because there were things you were sacrificing to have him on the field to try to implement him to the best of his ability. Uh, you have a lot of depth, quality depth players in your tight end room between Durham Smythe and Eric Saubert and Tyler Croft and... Uh, I will give uh, the Dolphins credit for Alec Ingold in the tight end room as well, as well, just because Ingold is more of a blocker than a ball carrier. So I wouldn't put him with the running backs. I'd put him more with the um, the tight ends. And I think Ingold has a very strong case to be a quality starter. I think his floor is an adequate level starter. Uh, but Joe Marino and I, when we did the exercise, Joe actually pushed me all the way into quality starters. So the, the Dolphins get credit for two cornerstones with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, and a quality starter in Alec Ingold is the tight end two with air quotes. Uh, you have a quality depth player in Durham Smythe uh, as your starting tight end, projected starting tight end. You have a slew of wide receivers that could be your third wide receiver in Braxton Berrios and Robbie Chosen and Cedric Wilson. And all those players, I think, are quality depth players in a vacuum. Uh, they, you don't want them to be focal pieces, but they're not in Miami, very clearly. And then the running back room, 
Uh, Raheem Mostert, I think you catch lightning in a bottle and you can have a quality starter, but I think the full resume for Raheem is probably more appropriate in the spectrum of, of NFL running backs as an adequate starter. I think Jeff Wilson is a quality depth player as a ball carrier. You obviously have a rookie in Devon A. Chain. Um, so it's a little bit of an element of unknown with what he is or is not going to give you this year. But this scoring exercise counts for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players, seven slots, the top three wide receivers, the top two tight ends, and the top two running backs. So those are the positions that in this exercise that Joe Marino and I have been doing on Lockdown NFL Scouting across the entire league where you're putting every player into buckets of cornerstones, quality starters, adequate starters, quality depth, replacement level players, rookies, incomplete evaluations, practice squad caliber players, so on and so forth. Uh, Those seven spots, three wide receivers, two tight ends, two running backs, is what the Dolphins are being graded on here in this exercise. Again, focusing on what your ideal lineup looks like and comparing that to the 14 teams that the Dolphins are scheduled to play. So you have two cornerstone wide receivers and a quality depth option. I don't care if you choose Cedric Wilson, Robbie Chosen, or Braxton Berrios. Your two tight ends, you have a quality depth player and a a quality starter with a quality starter being a a fullback in Alec Ingle. And then you have an adequate level starter in Raheem Mostert and quality depth with Jeff Wilson as your RB2. So the good news is like you have pieces in each of the rooms that you feel are adequate starters or better. And of course, the cornerstone of the Dolphins offense is the wide receiver combination of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. How does that measure across the opponents? That's a great question, and that is what we're going to tackle next here on Locked on Dolphins. But before we do, consider this your cordial invitation to tackle comfortable pants, which is not an easy task. Bird Dogs is here to help. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer, through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. You look good to play good. That is the rule of life, and Bird Dogs adheres very firmly to that rule. They fit way better than regular shorts. They're not stuffy and constrictive and hot. They have sweat-wicking material that keeps you fresh all day long. Bird Dogs, uh, they invented cloud-knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but moves and stretches and breathes and is a slimmer fit. So you don't look like you're wearing gym shorts, but you feel like you're wearing gym shorts. That comfort level is there with really comfortable liners. You can pick different inseams. I am personally a big fan of the short inseams, skies out, thighs out. If you know, you know, and you can get in on this action yourself by going to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL and you can get a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNFL for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off once you got them. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So, 
acknowledgement of the play the teams that the Dolphins are going to play this year. You have, of course, the three AFC East opponents, the Bills, the Jets, and the Patriots. You play them all twice. You have the NFC East, the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Commanders. You have the AFC West, which is the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Raiders. That is, what, 11? Kyle does math live on the show. 3 plus 4, 10. You got 14. And you have the uh, two other second-place finishers in the AFC, the Titans and the Ravens. And then you have your oddball pairing from the NFC this year is the Carolina Panthers. How do these groups stack? Where does Miami fit? Is Miami too top-heavy? That's a question I I think is, is fair to ask when you look at cornerstone, cornerstone, and then your fullback is a quality starter, and then your best running back is an adequate level starter. Um, here's what I will tell you. Uh, Miami comfortably outpacing a number of these teams, starting with the Tennessee Titans. Think about Tennessee. They're wide receivers. They have a second-year wide receiver in Traylon Burks. Um, not the most impressive rookie season. Their wide receivers two and three are Kyle Phillips, who's also a second-year player and a slot-exclusive player, and Nick Westbrook-Akine is your wide receiver three. Your tight end room is Trayvon Wesco and Chig Okonkwu. Uh, Chig is a second-year player out of University of Maryland, looks like a very promising player, uh, run-after-catch threat, but not a true inline player, a little bit more of an H-back type player. And then obviously you have Derrick Henry and... uh, mid-round rookie and Tajay Spears at running back. You've got three incomplete evaluations, a cornerstone in Derrick Henry, a rookie, a replacement-level player, and a quality-depth player. And remember, Miami's secondary ranked at the top of the list along with the Buffalo Bills when we did that earlier this week. So if you're looking for teams that are going to stress your matchups, of course, it's a late-season game. A lot can change with injuries and depth. I don't view Tennessee as a team that can stress Miami on the perimeter to the degree in which they would ideally like to to play play a brand of football that keeps you off balance the entire time. Now, stopping the run with Derrick Henry with a Vic Fangio system, they'll have to do probably some unique things in that, that week's matchup. Carolina Panthers are another team that I think kind of comes up short. Uh, DJ Chark, Adam Thielen, and Terrence Marshall are their top three wide receivers. They did bring in Hayden Hurst. Uh, They brought in Chark and Adam Thielen this offseason as well, but Hayden Hurst at free agent signing and Miles Sanders at running back. I would say this for Carolina's group. I think it's a fairly high floor group. Uh, Chark, Thielen, Hurst, and Miles Sanders all feel like adequate level starters at the NFL level but they don't have anybody that ranks higher than an adequate level starter. And you've got four adequate level starters and then two quality death players and an incomplete evaluation. So there's no player to run it through. And I think that is what Carolina will sorely miss throughout the course of this season. And the Washington commanders are a team that does have a cornerstone type player in Terry McLaurin. But beyond that, uh, you thought the dolphins tight end room was bad. Logan Thomas and John Bates are the top two tight ends for Washington. You've got 
Brian Robinson at running back and Antonio Gibson, who the team has been trying to fade for three years consecutively now, it feels like, as your top two running backs. Robinson, good player, uh, but an incomplete evaluation as he was a rookie last season. And then you have Curtis Samuel in the slot, who they're paying a lot of money for to not live up to the standards of the financials at which he's getting paid. And Jahan Dotson is a second-year player who was excellent last year. But I, I do think you have a, a cornerstone in Terry McLaurin, a budding player, but a second-year player in Jahan Dotson, who eventually I think will be a quality starter at the NFL level. Um, but then a whole bunch of incomplete evaluations, replacement-level players, and quality depth options with your other five spots out of this collective total of seven. This might surprise a little bit, but I do think Dallas um, is a little too top-heavy themselves. I would consider them in this stratosphere. They have the best player of any player that we've talked about thus far at wide receiver in CeeDee Lamb, and Brandon Cooks is a nice addition. But Michael Gallup's the three. He came back from injury last year, was not himself quite clearly. Uh, They lost their starting tight end in free agency and are replacing him with Jake Ferguson who and, and uh, draft pick Luke Schoonmaker, who we're very familiar with because uh, we did a spotlight on him ahead of the 2023 NFL draft. But your tight end room is Jake Ferguson and Luke Schoonmaker. I think that probably puts you in a similar stratosphere to what the Dolphins are in their tight end room. Uh, but I think the Dolphins have a better tight end too because they have a fullback in that spot who's a quality starter. And then you have Tony Pollard, who is, I I would certainly take over any of the Dolphins' backs, but your backup running back right now is Ronald Jones, maybe? And he's a replacement-level player who has not materialized. So uh, Dallas doesn't have the one-two punch at wide receiver, although they have a good one-two punch at wide receiver. Uh, their running back room has a better player in Tony Pollard, but they do not have the depth. And I don't think they quite measure up in the tight end room either. So for Dallas, that's a spot where if you feel like you can negate C.D. Lamb, you'll probably take your chances with the rest of what they have assembled. I will say this as well. Dallas gets mentioned here, and there is a slew of... How many teams is this? (laughs) Eight teams out of the 14 that we're 15, including the Dolphins, uh, that are scored extremely close to one another. So I, I think your bottom three definitively are Washington, Carolina, and Tennessee. I think you have a definitive two that have a leg up over the Dolphins, and then the rest of these teams are all very, very, very closely smashed together. We're going to talk about the two teams out in front, and then we'll acknowledge some of the other teams that are in the same bucket as the Dolphins uh, here to close on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. This is David Harrison of the Locked on Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I do think Philadelphia has a leg up, and it's not because of A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. 
Uh, that's a great cornerstone pairing in the same light of what the Dolphins have with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Uh, it, it's the rest of the depth that stands out to me and the fact that they have another cornerstone player in Dallas Goder. Dallas Goddard is a do-it-all type of player who probably could have put up 1,000 yards last year if he didn't miss time. Uh, he's an inline player. He can block. He can catch. He can run after the catch. He is a very, very, very good football player. Uh, I think he's head and shoulders above what the Dolphins have, and, and Philadelphia having three cornerstone players, there's only a handful of teams that can lay claim to that. I'm just kind of looking at, at what we have assembled uh, Joe Marino and I across all of the teams. It's San Francisco and Philadelphia, the two that have three cornerstone players out of the seven allotted spots between running backs, tight ends, and wide receivers. Philly has A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goder. Miami not scheduled to play San Francisco, so they're not on this list. But San Francisco is Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Christian McCaffrey. There's only a handful that have two. We mentioned Cincinnati, we mentioned Philadelphia and San Francisco already, we mentioned Miami. Uh, the Raiders are the other team that are on the Dolphins' schedule that I think has a leg up. Because they have Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs, both of those are cornerstone players. They brought in Austin Hooper to go with Michael Mayer at tight end. Uh, both of those are new additions. I think Hooper's probably uh, just a... a bit of a leg up over anything that the Dolphins have in their inline tight end group just because Hooper's been a productive player at times throughout the course of his career and has the same baseline as an inline player. Uh, Jacoby Myers is a new addition. Hunter Renfro is a, a very good quality slot option. I think if you put him on the spectrum of full NFL wide receivers, though, he's an adequate level starter. Uh, so the Raiders, just like the Dolphins, have two cornerstone players. The difference is they don't have two cornerstone wide receivers. I take the Dolphins' wide receiver room over the Raiders. But if you're looking at the entirety of the group, Jacobs and what he did last year, especially behind a not-good offensive line, I think puts them in the same conversation. And then I do think they, they have marginally a little bit more depth because they have adequate level starters in Jacoby Myers and Hunter Renfro and Austin Hooper to go with those two cornerstones. Whereas if you were counting Miami's quality or adequate level starters, uh, it, it's Raheem Mostert behind the two uh, and, and Alec Ingold behind the two cornerstone wide receivers. So I think the Raiders are, are a slight nudge ahead and Philadelphia's head and shoulders, uh, the best group out of the ones that we are discussing here because they have three cornerstone players out of a maximum of seven possible spots. Nobody else has more than two. I think you could probably look at the wide receiver rooms in a vacuum and you can make a strong case for Miami there as well. Um, I, I think the only team that has a firm argument across the league to have a one-two punch at wide receiver that measures against Miami is, is Philadelphia and then Cincinnati. Well, there's some other good wide receiver duos out there. Debo and Ayuk, Metcalf and Lockett, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. But I, I think there's a very clear hierarchy, and it's kind of pick your poison just exclusively amongst the wide receivers. But this is not just wide receivers. This includes tight ends and running backs. So that puts Miami kind of at the top of this middle tier of about 10 teams. That includes Denver and Baltimore and Buffalo and New England and uh, the Jets and the Chargers and the Chiefs. And we mentioned some of these teams already. The Giants are in this bucket as well. Uh 
we'll we'll focus on the AFC East teams, obviously, because there there's a lot of teams smashed together here. But Buffalo uh, probably needs to strongly consider going out and getting what apparently Stephon Diggs is is upset about in DeAndre Hopkins. I think they, with Stephon Diggs, don't have a lot else that is a proven commodity. Now they have James Cook and they have Dalton Kincaid as a first and second year player at running back and tight end. And I do think Damian Harris being added is an upgrade over Devin Singletary, but you know, Gabriel Davis and Dawson Knox and Damian and Damian Harris and James Cook and Khalil Shakir. It's just a group that I, I, I think the ceiling for most of these guys is adequate level starters. And then you have a couple of these guys that are quality depth players. Gabriel Davis is a wide receiver, too. I think the domino effect of adding DeAndre Hopkins for the sake of Buffalo will be something the Dolphins should not be interested in seeing come to light. But if the Bills are serious about making a run, you know they, they have some cap space. They certainly could explore that. Uh, the Jets, I do think it is worth giving flowers to Garrett Wilson for what he did last season as the NFL's Offensive Rookie of the Year. He was tremendous the Jets I think the Dolphins certainly have athletes that can cover him um, maybe we'll be in a position to see a little bit more of Xavier Howard you know in in some lock matchups with him uh, be excited to see healthy Xavier go against Garrett Wilson uh, just because Garrett I, I think really tested Xavier's movement skills at the end of the year when they they played and, and Xavier playing through the injuries but uh, the Jets otherwise are a really interesting group. I, I think they have a, a number of appealing players at their disposal. You think about Alan Lazard and Corey Davis, big-bodied guys, can win on the outside. Uh, I think they're both adequate-level starters at this stage. Corey Davis kind of peaked when he put up 1,000 yards in Tennessee and uh, hasn't really been the same player since Lazard. I think with Aaron Rodgers, you get kind of a force multiplier there uh, that that is going to get him a number of targets because the pre-existing chemistry that exists there. Uh, Brees Hall was on his way to being a very, very good football player before he got hurt last year. Uh, there is a scheme change there that I think is worth acknowledging and, and monitoring to see how well he assimilates to a new system. He was in a wide zone system, which is what they ran at Iowa State, and he had a lot of green grass to run to. Uh, it's a little bit muddier now with Nathaniel Hackett trying to marry multiple ideologies. So um, I don't know that that one's a shoe in to be a, a quality starter for them. I like their tight end room with Tyler Conklin and CJ Uzoma. I think Conklin's probably a leg up over Durham Smythe as a tight end, but Uzoma's a quality depth option and kind of in that same stratosphere of what these other guys are, but it's a little bit less of a blocker and a little bit more of a receiver. So the Jets, I think, don't have another paired top-end player to go with it, uh, which, which of course, puts you in a position to do what teams ultimately tried to do to Miami down the stretch last year and managed to do it at times in spite of Miami having two cornerstone players, uh, which is we're going to take these guys away and, and ask somebody else to beat us for 60 minutes. And if you can effectively bracket on Garrett Wilson and force Alan Lazard and Corey Davis and Tyler Conklin across 60 minutes to beat you, you'll probably like your chances if you have a good defense. And of course, we've gone over what the Dolphins have defensively. They've got a really good defense. They have a top two defensive line and a top two secondary, and according to this grading ideology. 
And then the Patriots, who... What a weird group. It's just a weird group. Devontae Parker, adequate level starter. Juju Smith-Schuster, adequate level starter. Kendrick Bourne, adequate level starter. Hunter Henry, adequate level starter. Mike Gusecki, adequate level starter. Their running back two is probably Pierre Strong right now. They've been kicked around. Their name's been kicked around on adding another running back for some reason. They've drafted four in the last two years. Ramondre Stevenson's like a top eight running back in the NFL. He's their stud player. But all these receiving options of Parker, Smith-Schuster, Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry, Mike Gusecki, I mean, they're, they're the only team across the league that has five adequate level starters in those five spots. But they're all the same type of player. Non-separation, contested catch, guys. I think Kendrick Bourne's a little bit more of a vertical receiver type, but Smith-Schuster, Devontae Parker, Hunter Henry, Mike Gusecki is a very, very, very redundant skill set. Now, the nice thing is I do think it sets a certain floor, and if New England has success running the football, which I think they will, they'll be able to play action and attack you over the middle of the field. But your guys are going to have to go 60 minutes consistently catching tight window throws. It's not a world that I would want to live in, but it does set a certain floor with having that level of consistency and adequate starting players across the board that gets you in the middle of the pack. Uh, some flowers for Baltimore and Denver. I do think there's some potential there to be really, really good groups. Uh, Rashad Bateman and Odell Beckham plus Zay Flowers at wide receiver for Baltimore's completely revamped room uh, to go with a cornerstone player in Mark Andrews uh, and a quality starter tight end as not a pass catcher but a, a blocker in Patrick Ricard. Uh, they've rotated a bunch of guys at running back. J.K. Dobbins holding out for a new contract, but... Um, has carried the ball like touched the ball like a hundred times the last two years combined, so it's a little bit of an unknown for them. But the, the, I think the skill group uh, has a lot of unknown. There's incomplete evaluations there with Zay Flowers as a rookie and Rashad Bateman as a year three player who missed time last year, and then Odell obviously didn't play last year. Um, but I think the ceilings there, and then Denver with Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, Greg Dulcich was very good as a tight end last year down the stretch. Uh, and then they have Javante Williams coming back from injury. I think there's some ceiling there for a number of quality starters. I just don't know that they have a cornerstone player right now to hang their hat on. So they're kind of like the plus version of what New England has, if you will. So those are the groups that we've acknowledged here. Um, the, the Dolphins, I, I think, are an upper-class skill group in its entirety, thanks to their pillar players in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Uh, but I do think there are a number of groups that are probably deeper. I think there are a number of groups that have comparable top-end talent but are not as deep. And then I think there's a select few that have comparable top-end talent or, or more top-end talent, i.e. Philadelphia, and then also have the depth. If you ask me to rank him, Miami is 3A, 3B on this list. 2B, I think they're close with the Raiders. I think Philadelphia is out in front. But then I think there's a very clear bottom trio of Washington, Carolina, and Tennessee, and Miami is at the top of a very, very, very crowded pack of closely bunched groups, kind of in the middle. You get Dalvin Cook. You could say, okay, Dalvin Cook is a quality starter. I think that probably does kick you just out in front of the Raiders. I still think you're probably a touch behind Philadelphia because you don't have another cornerstone player. 
but I do think it would. I do think the addition of Dalvin Cook would be enough to kick you out in front of of Las Vegas from just a skill group perspective. So, storyline to watch. We obviously heard from Dalvin Cook earlier this week as well with an interview, and he said Miami. Uh, the the word ideal fit came out of his mouth, but the financials are going to have to line up, and it seems like the Dolphins are kind of patiently biding their time, and so is Dalvin. So we'll see how that ultimately ends up materializing. Down the stretch here, we're about a month away from teams having players report for training camp. So get excited about that. That is going to do it for us here this week on Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. Shout out to our everydayers. I hope you have a great rest of your day. I hope you have a great weekend, and I will be back again on Monday to talk some more Dolphins football. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.